Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And we have with us today, Wesley Nichols. This is part one of a three-part series that he is going to do on the arrows. So you've probably heard of the Enneagram arrows, but not really maybe been sure about what they are. Well, today you get to do a deep dive into the arrows and our promise you're going to have some clarity about what the arrows mean for you and your life and so we are going to look today at types three five and six and each week we'll be focusing on different types but again this is a three-part series with wesley nichols he is again the founder of enneagram chattanooga a licensed marriage and family therapist in chattanooga tennessee and he is certified in teaching the Enneagram, and we're so blessed to have him. Thanks for joining us. All right, well, welcome back, Wesley, from Enneagram Chattanooga. It's so nice to have you again. Um, such a wise voice in this area about the Enneagram, and uh, your first interview with us was really popular where we interviewed you about being an Enneagram 3. And so we wanted to have you back because you have so much expertise about the arrows. And so we're going to talk about what's traditionally called um, sometimes the arrows of stress or arrows of health, arrows of integration or disintegration, although there's some feelings about maybe not using that language of arrows of integration and disintegration. And we can get into that later. Um, but I'm just so glad you're here to talk about it. For some of you, this may feel like a foreign language because this is a part of the Enneagram we've talked a little about, but not much about. And so we're going to dive into the arrows today and we have, um, our wise guide, Wesley. But before we get into the arrows, we want to talk about you a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah, that works great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So tell us about Enneagram Chattanooga. Uh, why did you start it? And what's the mission of this organization? Yeah, so I started Enneagram Chattanooga in 2019. Um, it was kind of shortly after I'd finished my Enneagram training. Um, and really the big part was to be able to kind of share this tool, um, and how impactful, not only that it was for me personally, but so many people I worked with kind of with Chattanooga and kind of the greater community. And so it's really opened up doors for me to work with different organizations, other kind of local, um, groups, um, being able to offer workshops that kind of help people better understand themselves, the people around them and kind of find a, a kind of compassionate way of, of relating Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really cool to work with different teams, um, mm-hmm. with different groups kind of around Chattanooga, as well as churches and other kind of communities that, yeah, really value this relational kind of component. What, what does it look mm-hmm. like for us to be able to relate to one another in a way that's going to be healthy um, and helpful and productive? So, Yeah, and we need yeah. that in the world so much right now to understand ourselves and one another. And so for you to have that as part of your mission, I think that's really important because that's a high need for us in the world. And so if you have a church or a business that could use some insight from Wesley, I encourage you to get in touch with him at Enneagram Chattanooga. And he has a website and tell everybody the website. Yep. EnneagramChattanooga.com. Yeah, that makes it easy. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. 
And I love what you said about working with the organizations and compassion. So I am coming from home. Our neighbor just retired after 30 years of teaching. And she is looking for what she's going to do. She uh, is applying for like little jobs. And she came over to write her resume. And she said, I had the word compassion in my resume. And my sister said, businesses don't want that. And I said, Kelly, you better leave that word in. Don't you think like this is the the world we live in? Compassion matters. And whether it's interpersonal relationship Mm -hmm. or business relationship, it is valued. Wouldn't you agree? I I would definitely agree. Well, especially that compassion and that empathy, right? Because I think a lot of times there can be stereotypes. So this is what business should be, right? It should be hard charging, fast paced. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about results. And again, results matter, but people are the people who kind of make these things happen, right? Mm -hmm. And so it really matters the way that we're able to kind of see and understand and have compassion for the other people around you as well as for yourself, right? And so that being embodied, I think, in a workspace is so important and also just makes... um, uh, in a lot of cases, people be more productive, more yeah. value, more seen, like that type of atmosphere. And that's been one of the greatest things I've been able to see with the groups I work with is at the end of these types of workshops, seeing the sense of connection and like empathy. That's like, wow, like I've worked beside you for however many years. And now I feel like I have a greater sense of compassion, right? Yeah. And understanding for you that opens up the door for so many other kind of possibilities in that workspace, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be this, okay, I got my work hat on, right? And I can't be a person in this space. And um, I love being able to kind of bring that to different groups I work I love with. That. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, listen, I know in addition to being certified Enneagram teacher, you're a licensed marriage and family therapist. So can you tell us a little bit about your practice and how you integrate your training in both and bring them together? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm right next door um, in the Southern Sadler building off South Broad, headed yep. towards St. Elmo. Um, and it's in that space that I work at Chattanooga Counseling Consulting with two other kind of clinicians, um, who are really great, Josh Zello and Ali Haskew. Um, they're really wonderful. And, uh, in this space, what I really love about the Enneagram is I kind of use that as one of the tools I use to kind of engage with adults, um, as mainly adult individuals as well as couples. Um, and I mean, like we're talking about in the, this whole podcast and the Enneagram in general, it's just such a valuable way to help us better understand ourselves and the other people around us and this compassion that we're talking about as well. Um, and so for me, I'm using the Enneagram as a framework to kind of help people better understand that and then using other tools and modalities to kind of work with that. And so I use internal family systems, which is a way of understanding. We have all these diverse parts of us that make up who we are and how can we get to know these different parts and the Enneagram and help be a helpful guide for us to understand that. And then a, a trauma therapy EMDR that I use as well. And so mm-hmm. I'm weaving in and, in and out of those streams kind of with the groups and the people that I work with um, in my counseling space. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And like yoga, EMDR is a very embodied form of therapy. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that just so they understand it? And it it's really a research-based type of therapy for trauma and it's I mean it's just really efficacious and so I want you to share with them a little bit about EMDR I don't practice it but you know I definitely like to refer to practitioners in Chattanooga who do because I mean the results are just pretty great and pretty fast so tell us about it yeah no EMDR um it started in the 80s and um it has now become one of the most like researched and empirically validated types of treatment for PTSD um, specifically. 
But then what we've recognized as practitioners and just the research is so we all have our own little micro mini traumas, right? Small mm -hmm. T traumas, experiences that we've had that have impacted us in a way and that we carry with us. And so what EMDR does, whether you have PTSD or just the normal life things that shape us, it goes back to these experiences and reprocesses, reprocesses them to get the distress that's trapped in the body from these experiences. And so it's, it's a very embodied kind of type of um, experience that we're kind of talking about, um, as well as getting at what are maybe some of the beliefs and the perceptions that we have about ourselves, mm -hmm. about other people in the world that kind of come from these types of experiences. We all have our worldview shaped by experiences, right? Like that's part of who we are. And mm -hmm. this is what I love the integration of the Enneagram and EMDR is the Enneagram can be helpful to, okay, what are maybe some of these messages that mm -hmm. I've kind of um, internalized about myself in the world? And EMDR says, okay, what can we do about those things, right? How can we use this system to understand what's going on, but then also bring some healing to these parts of ourselves that have mm -hmm. encountered these traumas or different things. And so it's really uh, such a good blend of, of all three of these types of things. And I, I just really love the, the work I get to do with people. So, awesome. Yeah. So um, just if you're looking for a therapist, Chattanooga Consulting is a a great place in town and so and Wesley's phenomenal and so internal family systems EMDR and the Enneagram he blends and weaves those all together and I would just encourage you to reach out to Chattanooga Consulting if you're looking for a therapist um, so I have another question about the arrows um, again the arrows are sometimes called the arrows of stress or growth um, or even your stress point and security point um, and like I said earlier, sometimes they're referred to as arrows of integration and disintegration. But how do you refer to the arrows? Um, and tell me why the terminology of how we refer to the arrows may or may not be important. Yeah, no, those are all really good questions. And I actually really love the the dynamics that the arrows brings to the Enneagram. And mm -hmm. I say this all the time, different people I'm working with, but the Enneagram is not a boxy system. It's mm -hmm. not about you are this one thing. It's about, okay, how can we understand ourselves and recognize that all of us are so varied and dynamic as people. And I think getting into the arrows and the connecting lines, that's kind of like how I talk about it, um, shows us that different parts of ourselves come out in different situations. Um, and this can help account for our lived experience. I, with the workshops I do, a lot of times I'll be like, well, you know, I'm kind of different in these situations and I'm different here. It's hard to kind of figure out you know, what I am. And I'm like, yes, like that's mm -hmm. all of our experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know that any of us is always the same in every setting. And so what the Enneagram and the arrows can speak to is um, these connections that every type has um, to two other numbers. Um, and so kind of talking about our home base, our main kind of motivation and, and type, um, we have that as a home base. And we have elements of all of the different types. Um, but um, this main base, uh, our main type, is kind of the operating system on that we're on the day-to-day. -day. We also have wings, which mm -hmm. I think you guys maybe have touched on a little bit, which mm -hmm. kind of flavor our type. And this is kind mm -hmm. of more our day-to-day, -day, this is where we occupy that space. What the connecting lines or arrows do are say that these give us kind of connections to two other types that we can temporarily move over to and take on some of the characteristics, uh, motivations, or ways of being of this type before coming back home mm -hmm. to our main kind of base, our, our home base, our main type. Um, now, us moving over to this other type, following the connecting lines or these arrows, um, that can be minutes, 
that could mm-hmm. be hours, that could even be days where we're operating under this system. And there can be different experiences that kind of move us into that space. Uh, but again, we're always going to come back home. And so um, I, I love that uh, way of explaining our own experience to say, okay, yes, mm-hmm. we've got wings that kind of vary us up. We have these connecting lines that vary us up. We have our own experiences and cultures that vary us up as people. And this system is not meant to be one that kind of boxes us in. And so I love that kind of dynamic to it. Um, kind of honing a little bit on, on these connecting lines, there's different ways of talking about it, like you kind of mentioned, mm-hmm. like distress and security, growth, um, integration, disintegration, so many different ways of kind of talking about this. And I think they're all true in their own way. Um, and so one way that I kind of talk a little bit about it um, is the idea that if we're looking at the symbol, um, the Enneagram symbol, and we're on the outside of it with our home base and looking inward from our number, we see two lines that jut out from a connection to two lines. Mm-hmm. The two other numbers, I should say. And on the left-hand line of that, we find what's called the kind of security, growth, or heart point. Mm-hmm. And again, this is the number that we maybe go to in different situations. Um, and again, different ways of talking about this, but how I kind of have experienced it, but also seen it shown up and have been taught is that we can either consciously or unconsciously at different times move over to this um, other type and operate on those systems in different situations. Um, And one uh, way that happens is when we feel we're in a place of security and a place Mm -hmm. of kind of relaxation. Mm -hmm. We all have experiences around people that we feel relaxed around. We can kind of like let our guard down and other parts of us maybe come out. Mm -hmm. And so in that space, we can maybe sometimes move over to this Um, this point, this other type, and take on some of those characteristics. And in that space, sometimes you can take on the best parts of yourself show up, right? Yeah. yeah, You feel comfortable, safe, relaxed, and like, oh, I'm getting the best. And then I don't know about you guys, Mm -hmm. but for me, at times, too, my worst can show up around the people that I feel the the safest around. Yeah, my husband. (laughs) Exactly. My my eight will come out with my husband. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a very real thing. And so... That also kind of happens with yeah. these safeties, with these points, right? And then on the opposite end, the, the line that goes from the right, it kind of connects to what's called the stress or resource point. And so this is the idea that in stressful situations, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling like, oh my gosh, there's just too much, we can maybe take on some of the negative characteristics of mm-hmm. this type, right? So again, I, I, as a three moving to the, the type nine, I can take on maybe some of the low side of, of that type. Um, and at the same opportunity, there's ways that when we move in stress, we can actually access the resource, the, the high side of that type as something that we maybe need to integrate into our own lives to help us mm-hmm. kind of um, um, delve into not only ourselves, but also people's experience. And so for, for me, that's how I see this happen is we can access at different points, the high side of these two lines and these points, as well as the low side in different mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that really helps explain our own experience um but then also open up the door for us not to feel so boxed in or prescriptive Mm -hmm. Um, and what i mean by that is there is ways of talking about this as far as like lines of disintegration or integration Mm -hmm. like so one is kind of you disintegrate you're becoming unhealthy you take on these negative characteristics and then one you're being healthy you're taking on these positive characteristics that is true not not trying to say that's not true that Mm -hmm. is very true I just think it's more robust and dynamic, right? We can have the negatives and the positives, right, of this other of this other number, depending on mm-hmm. what's happening. And and again, it's on either side, uh, because in my own kind of work with people, what I've seen is there's a tendency for us that when we see a map, um, it's it's our 
our desire to kind of, okay, what, how can I use this in a way that's going to be helpful? And I think what the Enneagram does, it is a very good map to map our experience. But I think when we try to, to use it or, or exert our force of this is what I need or should do or mm-hmm. be, we're now kind of like going against naturally uh, what we're inclined to, if that makes sense. I think yeah. how I view the Enneagram is something where as we relax and we become aware of ourselves and we are learning this compassion with the different parts of ourselves, we can kind of allow these these things to bubble up and, and grow and us to kind of become more balanced in a sense mm-hmm. versus trying to force or make ourselves be anything. And so mm-hmm. what I've found with people is when they've seen one of the arrows connecting to what's considered the disintegration mm-hmm. or the bad kind of number type, then be like, oh no, that's bad. I can't do that. I need to stay away and not be that at all. Viewing oneself as bad or good. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So then yeah. looking at the opposite end, oh, this is the number that I integrate to, that I kind of yeah. am healthy as. Let me force myself to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do that, we're missing the point in a sense, right? Yeah. We're trying to kind of like use our own kind of personality or ego to make us be something that we're not versus relaxing and allowing those things to emerge. Yeah. If that makes sense. And probably too, the truth is we can go to the high or low side of all nine numbers. Um, but these are the sort of specific arrows that we have the greatest propensity to go to, right? Like me as a two, eight and four are my two numbers. And I can see that sometimes I go to that moody, broody, sensitive. I can be very sensitive. And like, so I can go to the low side of four, even though traditionally I was taught, like when I learned this system, like 20 years ago, I was taught you've really got to work as a two to go to the four in health and practice self care and, you know, take time to rest. And I think that's true. But as you grow in your understanding of the Enneagram, you realize, okay, it's so much richer and there's more depth to it than that. But also, like, we can look at, like, what are our low scores? Like, my low score um, on the Enneagram time and time again is a five. And so I have a five as my Enneagram coach because I want to work on developing that five. Um, And so I think that, like, the Enneagram is, is inviting us to wholeness. And to look at all nine numbers. But we really do have that opportunity to start with our wings, you know, looking at, well, what's our primary wing and what's our underdeveloped wing and how do we find wholeness there? How do we find wholeness with the arrows? And then just start to work the whole system, right? And that's, it's about integration, right? Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely spot on, right? Like we have, yeah, we have integrating. That's what it's all about. Not being confined to the one number that we are, Mm -hmm. right? Because while each number in each of our types has a gift and something that's super important that we have access to, like we're so much more than just these personality types. I think the arrow speaks, like you said, that natural Mm -hmm. propensity to move towards those, but we don't want it to just be limited by these things. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. And just to remind our our, our um, listeners, so what we're talking about is every number can take on both good per se and bad points of all their areas of stress and to health. And I absolutely agree with you. You know, we um, I just had a little bit of a stressful situation earlier this afternoon. And I find myself, and I love that you said that we can move in this stress for maybe a few minutes, maybe a few hours, maybe a day. And I had a couple hours of being a stressed out four. 
period and I'm Enneagram one and then I've noted and I shipped back home and that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. But let me ask you this. So both of you know way more about Enneagram than I ever could. Is the thought that we take on the um, qualities of all the numbers that we are going into stress and health, is that a, kind of like a new way to look at the um, errors of integration and disintegration? Is that a little bit of um, a different point of view from a traditional Enneagram teaching? And is there kind of like real-time discussion happening in the Enneagram community about that mm -hmm. that thought process. Yeah, that and, and my training, that was something that I think what I learned mm -hmm. um, from my training was like, that was something that my teachers talked about. Like, yeah. this is something that in the Enneagram community at large, it, it's it's being discussed, right? right? So at different conferences, at different things, teachers coming together, kind of like, what are, what are you experiencing? And right. my own um, trainings in the narrative Enneagram, which very much... Is focused on let's listen to people's stories and how they see these things show up. And the more that they've kind of done that listening, they recognize, okay, maybe it's not just right. One is this kind of taken on the low side, or one's taken on the high side. It yeah. is more dynamic in those ways. So yeah, I think there is traditional ways of teaching it that's now like maybe being opened up more in a sense. Yeah, I love mm -hmm. that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at the arrows. Let's dive in a little bit deeper. But we're going to start with you. So. What are your arrows, and then how do you see them show up in your life? Yeah, definitely. So I think of, for me, I'm a three, a type three, and I see the arrows, the points, the connecting lines that kind of show up for me is I have a connection to type six, um, traditionally kind of the security growth or kind of heart point for me, and then the, the stress or resource point kind of moving to type uh, nine. So those are the two points that, that I have. And I see both of these. I actually feel like a lot of movement along my lines and a lot of different situations show up for me. Um, and I think like I mentioned last time I was here, for a while there, it took me a while to figure out that I was a three because I think of that strong connection I have with my type mm -hmm. nine. Um, but anyway, so I guess focusing on that aspect for me, so for for nines and how it shows up, it, this is the stress or resource point. Um, when I'm kind of moving on to the low side of this, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like, okay, this is things are too much, I can find as a three, typically hard charging, to-do list, what needs to be done, let me knock these things out, right? Um, and, and look good doing it in a sense, right? Sure. Um, when I'm moving to that nine, things become so overwhelming that I'm finding myself kind of trying to escape. I'm like putting my head in the sand. I'm mm -hmm. doing things that are kind of numbing me out in a sense um, mm -hmm. because it's like I just I can't deal with this right now. Yeah. I just need to shut everything down. Yeah. Um, and for nines, that can be when they're kind of stuck in that defense mechanism, right? They're kind of narcotizing, narcotizing, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of falling asleep, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. so mm -hmm. I definitely in those stressful times can find myself moving into that um, that place, and so. I think coming to the low side of that, I see that happen. Um, on the other end, though, um, I definitely see this connection to the high side of nine as well. Um, and again, I think sh traditionally for threes, there being this movement energy, okay, I have a plan, we're going to make it happen, and a little less flexibility. When I'm moving into that nine space, there is more openness, right, to other mm -hmm. perspectives of ways of being. There is more of that empathy and also ability to slow down. Um, I think... For me, me kind of trying to incorporate more of this nineness for me, especially in stressful times, is being able to slow down and, and, and to be able to, to rest, mm 
mm-hmm. to be able to, I think, again, I mentioned before, like, go on my deck, right, and be able to just sit. And you wouldn't believe how often we talk about this. <laughs> I think in every interview, I'm like, and we had a guest, and he is a three, and let me tell you what he does just for the sake of doing, do, like, every other episode, and we've had episode every week. That really resonated Since with you, because I cannot stop talking about it, Wesley. <laughs> like, the deck and the birds. Yes. Every time. That so is... you've got to go back and listen to <laughs> every that. episode, because there's a mention of it. In every single one, I'm telling you. That's uh, so if you haven't heard Wesley Nichols' interview um, uh, about being a three, you might want to go back and listen to that, and then you'll hear about how watching the birds and bird watching is where he like kind of goes to that high side of nine, right? Like, yes, <laughs> that's it, it. yeah, no, that really is it. It's kind of like. I'm recognizing the need for me moving to that nine space to help slow me down and give me a sense of kind of presence or groundedness mm-hmm. in spite of like my impulse to do, right? To yeah. look at my to-do list, to check it off, what needs to be done, how can yeah. I move towards that? No, let's slow it down mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of, yeah, be more present mm-hmm. to myself in that space. And so, yeah, I definitely I see that connection that. to nine happen as I well. Yeah. I love that. Um, I guess on the other end, that's the nine, mm-hmm. for the six connection, yeah. um, which is typically kind of considered the security, the growth, or the heart point. Um, I find on the high side of that, um, in my threeness, it's not just the doing, it's also this, this consciousness of how are other people kind of perceiving me, and how do I maybe need to shift or adjust in a way so that I'm making a good impression around the people around mm. me. When I'm moving on a positive side and integrating this kind of growth to the six, I'm more grounded. I'm more yeah. connected to myself and what I feel and what I want. And I'm a little less concerned with, okay, how are people going to perceive this? Maybe I can be more present and just show up as me and that'll be okay. Because sixes mm-hmm. are some of the most grounded, down to earth, loyal people. There's not a pretension about sixes, yeah. right? And I think when I'm in that space, I'm, I'm comfortable enough to kind of like let these parts of myself out that maybe are like, okay, like I, maybe I don't have to be impressive, right, in these moments. And so I think for me, moving to the high side of, of six, that's how, what it looks like for me. And on the opposite end, I definitely see this come out as well as me moving to the low side of six um, when I find myself getting kind of caught up in issues of security, making sure that I'm me and my family and my people are okay. And I can find myself thinking of all the worst case scenarios, what could go wrong and how can I plan and do everything I need to do to secure me and my own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely find that impulse show up. And I, we're fine. Like my family is fine, but again, it can kind of those worries or concerns can get exacerbated when I'm moving to the low side of this sixth space. Yeah. And so, just being aware of that movement, right, and kind of like being able to reassure myself, okay, I see what's happening, right? Like this is moving into that space is that an important piece. The most important word out of all of it, and I know that for some of you, this could be over the head. I know for me, a lot of times it's over the head, but the word aware. Even if you don't get back to errors and numbers and who goes where, awareness is the key. If you are able to check yourself in a space there you're in, the battle is won already. It doesn't matter. You know, the number, the stress, you know where you are, and then hopefully you know how to get back home. And that, boom, you're there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? Because, like, these things we're talking about, we're not going to get them to stop doing that. That's not the point, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's to become aware of when it's right. happening. So mm-hmm. that's not what's controlling us, right? right? Because when we're unaware, we're making these movements back and forth and all these things happening, and we're living not present and connected to ourselves. So right. 
you know, fostering this type of awareness can help us like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm moving into this sixth space right now, and that yeah. could be a really good thing, or yeah. that could be something I need to kind of pay attention to and watch. And so yeah. I think you're, you couldn't be more right that awareness is so key. Mm. We're going to keep picking your brain. We're just <laughs> going to go down the list. Can I say yes, one thing? Yes, right. So my husband is a self-preservation three. So when I listened to you, I remember you saying last time in our interview that you're a self-preservation three. It reminds me so much of my husband. And one thing I just wanted to say is that when he took the Enneagram test, he scored really high as a six. And so for any listeners, if you take the test, like be really careful to allow this to be a discernment process because sometimes your arrow, um, you you think that your arrow is your, your number. Like you think, oh, I'm a six, but you've got to really delve deeper and, and think about well, what, it, you know, what do I fear? Like, what are my motivations? What is my deadly sin? Sometimes you've got to really sit with this process to discover what your Enneagram number is because, you know, he's taken the test where he scored as a three and where he scored highest as a six. So he really had to sit with it because the arrows can be confusing because if you're taking the test, particularly if you're in a place where you're really doing well or if you're really stressed out, um, you know, that six may show up on the test, right? Even though you're a three. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. Yeah. And I think highlighting what you just said as far as your husband and I, us also being self-preservation threes, mm-hmm. that self-preservation instinct also yeah. can have very mm-hmm. six-ish type qualities Yeah, as well. about safety and mm-hmm. security. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So like, there's a way that I feel that so much, that connection, I think, to six. And like, I'm not a six. I think when I kind of boil it down, I see the motivation that it's not that same as the six. But man, do some of those maybe anxieties or those security concerns come up, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think you're, yeah, you're spot on like that. Really sitting with what's going on internally that's driving these different mm-hmm. maybe anxieties or concerns mm-hmm. or worries. That's that's where the work's at, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. You are so right. So for the longest time, I thought I was a six and I'm one, preservation, self-preservation. And I was just certain I was a six until I took uh, Christie's workshop and then I read uh, Wisdom of the Enneagram and I was reading through one and like I literally had to park my damn car and saw because I was like, these people know me. Why are they writing about me? So if you are uncertain, perhaps not just the test, but reading through the number that you are feeling you're mm-hmm. in and it will speak to your soul. If this is your number, you would feel like these people know me. I don't know how they know me, but they do. No one else knows these parts, but they know me and they wrote about it. So that would be it. Well, let's keep diving into the errors. And how about I'll kick us off. We're going to start with, uh, we're going to go all the nine numbers, but we're going to start through the head triad. So how about let's start with five, the error of health. Fives become confident and decisive like a healthy eight. And in stress, fives become hyper and scattered like an unhealthy seven. Wesley, talk yes. to me about the fives. Yes, for sure. What so again, thought? those connections, the right. seven, eight, that definitely show up those ways. And so right. uh, I was honing in on that eight or that kind of growth or security kind of point. When we're moving to that for, for fives in a way, to the high side mm-hmm. of, of the eight, where they are becoming more confident, more action-oriented. Typically, fives can be maybe more in their head, right? And kind of like, okay, I need to make sure I'm competent, make sure I have gathered all the knowledge Mm -hmm. before I can act. And when they're moving to that eight space, they're channeling more of that confidence and decisiveness to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys have probably heard of... uh, uh, Paralysis analysis or analysis by paralysis, right? Analysis paralysis. Yes, right? Yes. 
fives can definitely find themselves. But mm -hmm. when they're moving into that eighth space, there's more of a no, I've, I have enough, right? We can take action, right? Mm -hmm. So again, that high mm -hmm. side. And again, when eights are kind of moving to the eight side on the low side, what we actually find is fives can feel um, when they're moving to that eight, some of the suspicion, mistrust of other people, right? There's already some withdrawnness that happens for fives. But when they're moving to the low side of kind of an eight, this suspicion and mistrust of other people's even more. And so we find that they also kind of feel like they need to control themselves and protect themselves from other people. And again, that can almost reinforce the withdrawal that can happen for fives. Because um, yeah. eights at times... And their unhealthy states yeah. can have this suspicion that yeah. comes up for other people. Yeah. When fives are moving to the seven, um, and again, in this kind of stress or, or resource point, on the negative side, typically fives are focused. They're able to kind of zoom in on their whatever they're yeah. focusing on, their specialty, and like be creative kind of in those ways. They become scattered. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard for them to focus. They're kind of like, mm -hmm. feel like they're jumping from thing to thing, like sevens and, mm -hmm. and that low space can also yeah. do. So when fives are moving to that negative or low side, that's what they see kind of show up for them. On the positive end of that, we find that for fives, when they're moving to in stress, um, the resource or the positive end of sevens, they're finding themselves that they're able to engage yeah. more socially. Fives yeah. can feel like they have a limited supply of energy of yeah. times, but when they're moving to that high side of seven, they're like, you know what, maybe I can be open to spontaneity. Maybe I can give and share more freely of myself and that be something that feels okay. And so they're moving into that kind of space. Uh, I have a, I remember one of my trainings, there was a five. Um, you know, they're typically... unicorns. We can never find a five. <laughs> We're like one. always on the prowl. Yeah. Where's a five? Yeah, if yeah, you know a five it. for us to interview, send we... them our yes, way. I would be thinking on that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and what was so funny with this five is they're typically more reserved, kind of to themselves, all through the training. And then there was one night during our training where we had like a dance night where we put on a bunch of music, everyone was dancing, and oh my goodness. Like they this five, it. they, yes, they were all over. They went like to the high energy, side of seven. They did. They <laughs> went to that seven and they were just like let loose and they were free and they were dancing. It was like, I think all of us were kind of like, whoa, like we have not seen this side of this five, right? And so like there is that access there that fives have. And so being able to foster that connection to the high side of that seven could be something so, so helpful for fives mm -hmm. to be able to do. Yeah, I love that. I do too. Well, let's look at our sixes. So traditionally, when we talk about the era of health, the sixes become more trusting and calm, like a healthy nine. And then if we're talking about the era of stress, the sixes can become competitive and vain, like an unhealthy three. But talk about both sides for each, um, for the six going to the nine or the three. Yeah, sure thing. So for the nine, moving to this kind of a growth or security point, we find on the positive end of that, Sixes, which can be kind of a little bit more doubting and kind of trusting others or mistrusting of others, they can feel more open, more kind mm -hmm. of trusting of others. So mm -hmm. Sixes in, in a space when they can be more of like suspicious, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can trust you. Whereas nines, when they're moving to that high side of that, there's this openness of like, you know what, maybe I can open myself up. Maybe mm -hmm. I can kind of let other people in. And they also find for them maybe a quieting of some of the anxieties, a sense mm -hmm. of internal peace. The six, a lot of times there can be this anxiety of, of not knowing and questioning. And when they're moving to that nine side, they can get these moments and times of, of rest and peace mm -hmm. internally for them. Mm -hmm. And that being said, there's also, though, they can move to that not, the low side of nines as well. And, and what that looks like for them is there can be this, if there's maybe something going on internally for them, um, that they aren't super happy about, maybe instead of expressing it directly, they can be more passive aggressive, mm -hmm. right? They can be more like, oh, this doesn't feel safe. I'm going to passively aggressive 
and it's not even a choice really, but it just comes out in a way mm-hmm. because they're not wanting to engage in conflict. That feels threatening. That feels like too mm-hmm. much, right? Just like nines can be in, in that low space. And so that's something that can kind of show up for them when they're making that unconscious move to nine in a low space. And so that's what that kind of connection to nine can look like for sixes. On the opposite end, um, looking at sixes movement to type three, we find on the positive side or the negative side, I should say for this, that sixes, like I talked about earlier, because this is my growth point, my uh, heart point, um, are typically more grounded, um, kind of aware of what they feel, what they think, and they're less concerned with kind of other people's opinions or images, mm-hmm. uh, the, the people's perceptions of them. When they're moving to the three side in this negative health, they maybe do feel more image conscious, right? There's almost a sense of like, okay, wait a minute, how are people perceiving me? Or is that going to translate into me feeling secure and okay? And so I need to maybe project a certain image in order to feel accepted or kind of apart. Mm-hmm. And they also can at times, too, move to the... Um, the kind of drive and the continue to push, 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 push that the three can have where they're over overworking, right? Overworking yeah. themselves because they feel like I need to do this in order to feel okay, secure, and maybe I get the approval of other people. And so again, that low side, they can kind of move to that. I think we often talk about the, the eight and the three as being kind of the really hardworking industrious types, but I think you're right. I see that in sixes, mm-hmm. like when they're mm-hmm. going to that three, they're, you know, they're working too hard as well. Yeah, they can be very Mm -hmm. industrious. Yes, we definitely see that happen. And it's interesting to see, like, even the different motivation-wise, right? Because even when they're in that place, right, there's also a security mind to that, right? Like, they're still six-ish, even if they're taking on some of those three traits, right? Mm -hmm. And so three might be doing it from a different motivation, but again, they're kind of moving and accessing some of that, which is... Again, I just think that's fascinating. That is fascinating. That is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Like, like, I can listen to you all day. To your boss, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've got to be loyal. I've got to be committed. Mm-hmm. I've got to prove that I can yeah. do this for the sake of the company, for the sake of all, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah. it's still about approval or being yeah. an image, right? Because, like, for threes, that is something right. I want to be approval, that, that image consciousness. They do it. But, again, it's less a lot of times for, for threes about security. But for the six, it's still an image consciousness, but about... <gasps> Oh no! I need to make sure I'm impressing so that I'm secure and I'm okay. Yeah. So again, it's, it's so fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Wesley, um, I want you to repeat this again. The actions could be the same. The motivation is what matters because that's what makes the difference. It is like that. Like I think that's so much. Like you said, the awareness, right? Yes. And the awareness can help us be tuned into what are the motivations Why? that are driving mm-hmm. us, right? Why? And if we're tuning into that, that it helps us kind of like explain so much more and make more sense of our own experience. Yeah, it is. It's it's all about that. that motivation. I love that. I yeah. love mm-hmm. that. Um when the six is moving to the high side though of three, they do have that ability too. They're maybe having more self-confidence and more kind of like, you know what? I can take these actions towards my kind of agendas and my goals. When six Mm -hmm. at times can almost be so loyal to their group or to their people that they almost get lost in that. Whereas three, a lot of times it's about me, right? What's my goal? What's this, you know? So they can actually, the high side of me, no, it's actually important for me to recognize I have a lot to bring. I'm competent. I can do those things. They can take on some of the, the high side of that confidence that threes can have and move decisively towards the things that are important to them. And so mm. again, I think that connection to the high side of the three is also important for the type six. So that was just part one of a three-part series with Wesley Nichols from Enneagram Chattanooga. So stay tuned for the next release of this interview. It's such a great one. But also wanted to let you know that after this word from our sponsor, there'll be a short meditation. Thanks so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. 
For our meditation today, I'd like to do something different. I've created a mindful exercise based on a quote by Viktor Frankl. The quote attributed to Viktor Frankl is, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our freedom and our growth. And I've created this mindful exercise with the word space. That's our acronym. And the S in space stands for stop and enter the present moment. And let's do that right now, taking a moment to leave behind any concerns of the past or worries for the future, to be right here in this moment. And then the P stands for practice your breathing. So throughout this meditation, throughout this exercise, let's breathe in and breathe out. Finding your inhale, finding your exhale. Continue with the breath. And then the A in space stands for attend. Attend to your feelings, your thoughts, and your body. Let's start by attending to our body and noticing any tension that we might have in the body. And if there's a particular place in the body where there's pain, whether that's emotional or physical, find a breath in. And then exhale, send the breath to that place in the body where there is tension. And maybe notice more than one place in the body where tension resides. Breathe in and then exhale, send love, send the breath to that place in the body. And then take a moment to maybe bring a hand to your heart and tune into your heart space, tune into your emotions. Ask yourself, what am I feeling? What am I feeling right now in this moment? What are some of the feelings I have about life? And then take a moment to move from the heart space to the head space. And take a moment to notice your thoughts. What thoughts have dominated your mind today? And if there are any negative ones, just pay attention to that. Don't judge that, but pay attention. And maybe see if you can be kinder to yourself through your thoughts. See if you can reframe that thought into maybe something that isn't allowing you to be a harsh critic of yourself or others. And then we're going to move to the C in our acronym space in this exercise. And the C is compassionately respond to yourself and others. Take a moment as you continue to breathe to ask yourself, what would it look like for me to be kinder to myself, to be kinder to my loved ones, 
Who do I need to be kinder and more compassionate to? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a colleague, a family member, a friend. And then the E in space is engage once again in life. And so coming back to life, but hopefully in a way where we're going to be more present, more fully alive, where we know how to find that space. And then bring prayer hands to your heart and know that the light in me sees and honors the light in each of you. Namaste.